0: You that you are indeed our helper. Your word says that you're an ever present help, ever present help in time of need. And there wouldn't be a day, there wouldn't be a moment that we don't need your help. We just sometimes fail to acknowledge that. But we thank you tonight that you are indeed that God who loves us so deeply. Lord, you want to transform the whole of our lives. You love us so much, and you love us too much to leave us the way we are. You want to take us on and just make us more and more conform to that beautiful image of Jesus, your son. So do that work in our hearts and may we give you the permission to do whatever you need to do in our lives to make us more like Christ. And tonight as we talk about this subject of relationships, Father, just speak to our hearts, we pray. And help us to know how that applies to each of us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So we're continuing our series on Being Transformed. Some of you may be using the, <clears throat> the, uh, the journal uh, or the workbook. Um, and uh, look, I think there's some great stuff in there as well. So let's, uh, let's just have a look about that tonight. So as we're continuing this series on transform, we are looking at the, the topic tonight is transformed in my relational health. What does that actually mean? Well, hopefully we'll unpack that tonight and, and be able to see how that actually applies to our lives. But um, doing the research on this during the week, I came across this particular quote. Let me read it. It goes like this. Healthy people create healthy relationships. And healthy relationships help us to become healthy people. Makes sense? Do you you think that sounds about right? It sounds right to me. Because I also remember... um, That I remember reading somewhere that there is definitely a correlation between relationships. Let me me, um, be more specific a correlation between healthy relationships and longevity. And I remember reading somewhere, and and so I went on to Mr. Google tonight and checked it out and came across a site called Harvard, Harvard, sorry, Harvard Health Publications. Harvard Health Publications, you'll see it. And look, just one quote goes like this It says, Good marriages promote health and longevity. So there you go. It has a lot to do with good relationships, how long we live, our health, enormously intertwined with this whole relational aspect of our lives. So if that's true, if healthy relationships, if if healthy people create healthy relationships and healthy relationships help us to become healthy people, then I would think the opposite is true too, wouldn't you think? So that would go like this. Unhealthy people create unhealthy relationships, and unhealthy relationships help us to become unhealthy people. You know, well, I don't know what your story is, not all of you anyway, but part of my story um, is that before I met Christ, in particular before I met Christ, um, a lot of my relationships were unhealthy, simply because I was an unhealthy person myself. And, if I'm honest, I hung out with unhealthy people. And if you're following, as I said, if you're following the the Rick Warren transformed workbook, he lists five, five kinds of people to avoid as close friends, as close friends. And so I want to also, these are also supported by scriptural references. So firstly, let's have a look at this. We need to avoid being close friends with lazy people lazy people or idle people and some of these people may even be Christians as well as Paul warned about in 2 Thessalonians 3.6 he says this in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ we command you brothers and sisters to keep away from every believer who is idle and disruptive and does not live according to the teaching you receive from us and the, some of the friends that I had um, were mainly, un- they, were, they weren't Christians, I should say. The friends I had weren't Christians. And I'm thinking of my army days myself when most of my engagement with the army, I was a, a non Christian. Yeah, most of it, I was a non Christian. And um, so I think of those particular occasions, and, and I can remember that when it came to volunteering for, for extra duties and things like that, sometimes you were told to volunteer. <laughs> But when it came to volunteering generally, I can remember with, the, with, our, with our mates, you know, we'd go and find somewhere to hide. We, we would just, you know, whenever there was extra uh, cleaning uh, work or, or other work to be done in the compound that I actually worked in, we'd make ourselves scarce for that occasion. One of my friends, <laughs> one of my friends used to walk around with a clipboard with a clipboard so they left him alone because they thought oh he's got something official to do but he had nothing official to do he was just clever at being lazy and it worked for a while for a while and then they wised up to him but um, yeah just being lazy and it's not a good influence to be around that's the reality it's not a good influence Keep that one in mind, the influences that come with some of the folks that we hang out with. Don't hang out with lazy people, be careful of that. The second thing is we need to avoid being close friends or developing close relationships with angry people. Angry people. You know, there's a lot of anger out there, isn't there? Road rage, car park rage, surfing rage, all this stuff that's about rage. Was there? No surfing rage brother from you, is there? No. Of course not. But there's a lot of angry people around. Be careful that you're not hanging out and developing close relationships with angry people. Listen to what the scripture says about that. Proverbs 29, 22. An angry man stirs up dissension. And a hot-tempered man commits many sins. Yeah. Proverbs, that's Proverbs 29:22. Look at Proverbs 22. 24 to 25. Do not make friends with a hot-tempered man. (laughs) Do not associate with one easily angered. Or you may learn his ways and get yourself ensnared. Isn't that incredible? And it's so relevant and it's so true and it so happened to me. Some of my friends were angry people, particularly when they would get on the grog, when they'd start consuming alcohol. Some of them would get really angry. And then, of course, fights would break out. What's new about that these days? And I can remember being angry myself, whether it was the influence, just being an angry young man. I was. And I remember this this particular occasion. Rosemary remembers it, although I didn't know her back then. But I was angry and I punched this bloke in the head twice. And I broke the bone in the back of my hand. I still got the scar to prove it. Why was I angry? Why was I angry? You, know, you want to know why I was angry with this guy? Because he happened to walk across the floor in muddy boots that I had just mopped. And it cracked me up. Angry. Stupid. And I hit this bloke twice. And I suffered. And I think God was starting to tap me on the shoulder and saying, Dave, you know what? That's not how you sort out problems. I think he was starting to speak to me about those things just through mopping floors and so of course that's why I don't mop floors anymore (laughs) not true choose your friends choose your close friends wisely because like it or not their influence comes with their friendship all right thirdly we need to avoid being close friends with immoral people Immoral people. What I mean by that is those who who persist in that kind of lifestyle and then basically think nothing of it. And there are folks that are like that. Jude 4 says this, For certain individuals whose condemnation was written about long ago have secretly slipped in among you. They are ungodly people who pervert the grace of our God into license for immorality and deny Jesus Christ. Our only sovereign Lord. Powerful words, um, words that we need to take on board, Jude 4. And then, of course, Paul also speaks about the immoral person in 1 Corinthians 5 9 to 11. Now, as believers, we, we we need to be able to differentiate between the command to love people as Christ loves them, right? and whether we choose those people to be our close friends and therefore, again, recognise that the influence comes with that friendship, with that relationship. Do you get that? We need to be able to differentiate between loving people and choosing those kinds of people to be our close friends and being aware of the influence that they have and then asking ourselves that question, what will that influence mean for my own personal well-being and my own spiritual development? Can I afford to have someone like that influencing my life? What will that influence mean for me? Will it be healthy or will it be unhealthy for me? So they're the questions that we need to ask even before the Lord, just praying that through. Lord, I want to love these people, but I know that I have to be wise about these things too and who I bring into my circle, who I choose to have close friendship with. And we also need to recognise too and acknowledge that no matter what influence that we are exposed to no matter what influences kind of surround us in our lives ultimately i am you are responsible and will be accountable for the choices that you make in your life you understand that don't you you can't blame the influences the influence of my past made me do it they're influences but in the end you know what you made the choice you made the choice and that's what you'll be accountable for and that's why the scripture says that we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ on that day listen to this good quote our society does not do a good job of modelling healthy relationships you reckon that's true? yeah? of course it is our society does not do a good job of modelling healthy relationships yet true Watching movies, TV, and all the other stuff, says Stephen Arterburn. He says, you get the idea that the goal of relationships is to take what you can get and get what you can. It's as if a human relationship were like a financial investment. You set your goals, you pick your investment vehicle, you put up the required amount, then you sit back and wait for the return. If that return... Is not what you anticipated, well then just would withdraw your investment and take your business someplace else. That's what he's saying. Simply and clearly, a healthy relationship will ask, what can I bring into this relationship? That's what it asks, it asks what can I give to our relationship? Not what can I take or what can I get out of this. Can you see the difference? between a healthy relationship and an unhealthy relationship. I remember hearing it again that love says, what can I give? Lust says, what can I get? That's the difference, you see. Just briefly, um, because I want to move on. Um, The other two kinds of people that are listed in this workbook, um, if you're doing that, that we need to avoid having close friendships with, developing close relationships with our, our, pe- our greedy people. Greedy people, you don't want that influence in your life. Proverbs 23, verse six and seven. Jot that down if you want to have check that one out. Greedy people. The other one, the other, I think it's number eight. This one is unbelieving people. Unbelieving people. Developing close relationship with. 2 Corinthians 6.14, just jot that down. But I want to make a couple of points about this. Just want to make a couple of comments regarding this point about unbelieving people. And again, I guess you're getting this, that we need to understand here that we're talking about relational health in terms of close friendships, okay? Close friendships. They're the friendships that we choose to take. We choose people to come into our circle. Close, close friendships, close relationships. We're not talking about the the casual, friendly acquaintances that we would all have um, with with people that we that we with a variety of people, um, due to our work situations, due to our you know other kind of social situations. Of course, we know people, and we're polite to these people, and we are you might call friendly with these people, but they're not close in our relationships. You know what I mean? So we know folks that in that in those sort of situations. So talking about unbelievers then, does that mean does that mean that we should avoid having non-Christian friends? And The answer is obviously not. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. How else how else will these folks that we associate with get to hear and get to see christ at work hopefully in your life to see christ at work in transforming a human life if we remove ourselves from any contact with with the unbelievers in this world and there are some people who do that i don't know how they do it go and christians and other i shouldn't use religions but look any other there are religions who'll go and hibernate up on some monastery in a hill somewhere And never come down. That's their life up there. What good is that? Jesus said, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. How can you be salt and be sprinkled? How can you be light if you are isolated and cut off from other people? Particularly from the non-Christians in the world. And then Jesus in his priestly prayer here in John 17... Listen to what he said. He said, My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. He said, They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. And he says, Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. Set them apart. Hold them. Keep them. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. He says, As you've sent me into the world... I have sent them into the world. So obviously we're not talking about avoiding contact with non-Christian people. But on the other hand, please hear this clearly and carefully tonight. When it comes to close, healthy, close relationships. Now say for example a Christian marriage. We should be seeking... That the intimate relationship, that this intimate relationship, which marriage is all about, would be with another committed Christian. Do you get that? hope you're not getting that too much. One writer said this, and I think it makes a lot of sense. He said, we should never overestimate our ability to withstand worldly influences. We should never overestimate our ability to withstand worldly influence. They are very powerful and very attractive, very luring. He said, don't overestimate your ability to withstand those kinds of things. He says, it's much easier for a non-Christian to pull a Christian down than for a Christian to pull a non-Christian up. And I think there's a lot of truth in that. And God's word has a fair bit to say about that but I think one of the examples in, in the scriptures is one that we probably know quite well it's the yoked one let me just read that to us again from 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 14 Paul says this he says do not be yoked together with unbelievers for what do righteousness and wickedness have in common or what fellowship can light and darkness have And then I love the Amplified Version that seems to sort of unpack this a little bit further for us. And it reads this way. Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. Do not make mismated alliances with them or come under a different yoke with them, inconsistent with your faith. For what partnership have right living and right standing with God with iniquity and lawlessness? Or how can light have fellowship with darkness? So we need to take these kinds of things on board. Um, people, people who will enjoy transformed relational health are those who are able to share every part. I want to underline that every part of our lives, every part of their lives, with that other person, including their spirituality. In other words, their relationship with Christ. And I'm talking about the intimacy of a marriage now. You need to be able to share the whole of your life with that person, correct? And that means your spirituality. That's your relationship with Christ. And sadly, that can't happen. As Paul said in 2 Corinthians 6.14, if you make an alliance, if you yoke yourself, if you marry an unbeliever, do you understand that? That's important to get that on board and I don't mean to pick on young people but the ones, folks who are looking for marriage partners, checking each other out, you need to really make sure that, that you know where that person is in their spiritual lives. We all do. If you're a committed Christian, then you need to be able to share every part of that, that your, your, your whole life with that person and that means your spirituality. You cannot share your spirituality with a person who doesn't have the Holy Spirit. That's really what it means. And I've got to acknowledge that God's grace is absolutely amazing. We know that. And we know that there are people, we know people who have unbelieving spouses and we need to be careful. We need to love these folks. We need to encourage them. We need to support these people. We don't condemn them because we have no idea what their circumstances are. That's not our business. But I believe God is saying to us right from the start, be careful as to who you choose as a marriage partner, for example, whom you form a close relationship with as a believer. And again, just let me repeat that it's important and it's good to have friendships with non-Christian people, unbelievers. And may the Lord direct you that way. May he guide you. May he light your life up so that people be attracted to what they see, to who they see in you. And that's the Lord Jesus Christ may he bless that friendship that you have but again keep it in mind be aware of the fact that when it comes to sharing your own intimacy, your own spiritual needs, your own spiritual needs and being able to enjoy true Christian fellowship that is not possible it won't be possible with someone who doesn't yet have the Holy Spirit in their lives as you do you kind of get that, that's really important and although this, this quote that I'm about to read is, is referring to Christians, I like the way that this guy called Ronald J. Sider, he describes genuine Christian fellowship. And he says this, what happens when God grants the gift of genuine Christian fellowship? Deep joy, deep do- joyful sharing replaces the polite prattle Typically exchanged by Christians on Sundays. Sisters and brothers begin to discuss the things that really matter to them. They disclose their inner fears, their areas of peculiar temptation, their deepest joys. That happens in a marriage relationship. It's very difficult to do that with an unbeliever. Do you understand what I'm saying? Where else can we do this? Where else can we actually get past the prattle, get past the superficiality and get down to the nitty-gritty of how's how's it going for you? Oh, fine, everything's just going good. How's it really going for you? Well, you know, I do have some issues. What's it going to take for us to be able to share at that level? You can't share in an auditorium like this. You can't share at a big place like this. Um, You've got to be able to share in a closer environment. And I guess I'm talking about life groups here as well. Can you share these kinds of things and you share a little bit more about yourself, perhaps a little bit more self-disclosure in your life group? That's about the only place outside of other relationships I've just talked about. Um, This is the kind of Christian fellowship I believe God wants us to have and to enjoy. And uh, it needs to happen in, in such a group as a life group. If you're not in one, perhaps it's time that you joined a life group so that you can actually start sharing at a more deeper level. Make yourself accountable to somebody. Have a mentor, and start building and growing those kinds of relationships that are healthy and rich, and will spur you on in the things of God. Um, if you want to be involved in a life group, please talk to someone about that, or fill out one of those white information cards that you can see in those little brown boxes there. Put some details on it and give it to us, and we'll see that you get involved in a life group of somehow. So, how do we how do we build and how do we grow? transformed healthy relationships how do we start how do we do that I've just talked about the ones to avoid and some of the pitfalls that we can have by building close relationships with people who will whose influence are not good they're not healthy all right so how do we build healthy ones how do we build healthy relationships I want to ask you that question tonight where and how does this all start anyone like to offer a suggestion where, does, where, does ha- where and how does all this start as informing good relationships? Healthy, transformed relationships. Good answers? Yeah, exactly. And this is fairly obvious, I'm going to say now, but I just want to say it. Relational health ultimately consists and depends... Firstly, on a relationship with Jesus Christ. Absolutely. Relational health ultimately consists and depends, firstly, on a relationship with Jesus Christ. I'm stating the obvious. I don't think there's anything new here. And so it would be a good time to ask this question as well Where are you tonight? In terms of a relationship with Christ. Do you know Jesus tonight? Do you have a relationship with him? It's not, about, not a matter of knowing about Christ. It's a matter of knowing Christ. You know, I want to ask you where you are with that tonight. If you have a relationship with Christ, it means that you know that he loves you unconditionally. He loves you. Now listen to this. And it also means you love him in response to the love that he loves you with. Do you got that? We can always say, and I've said it myself, Jesus loves you. But the reality is, but do you love him in response to that? And Jesus said, those who love me will keep my commands. Do you love the Lord tonight? because he loves you do you seek to obey him do you seek to follow him because you know how much he loves you because you know he died on the cross to forgive you of your sin and to set you free do you know those things tonight you see it's not about religious knowledge but it's about relationship with the god of all creation that's what it's about relationship with him When you think about it, it makes a lot of sense. It really does make a lot of sense when you realise that it was God who first designed. He first created. And then he even role-modelled for us what a healthy relationship even looked like through his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you get that? The scriptures that were read to us at the beginning of this service um, reveal those very things. One writer says this. He says... All things were created through the medium of a relationship. All things began and were created through the medium of a relationship. And yeah, it was. Look at these verses that were read. Genesis 1, 26 says this. Notice the words. Then God said, let us make man in our image in, and, and in our likeness it wasn't let let us let me make man in my image it's our and i think there's something significant about that let us let us make man in our image and in our likeness you see it was the triune god the trinity that we're talking about here it's god the father it's god the son it's god the holy spirit who in this incredible perfect unified harmonious relationship created the universe Including you and me. That we may be relational beings after him who is relational. What an incredible relationship. Think about that. Eternity with God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. We can't fathom what the Trinity, how that really works. But we know there are three and we know there are one. Three in one. It's relationship. And it was in that medium that everything was created, including you and me. So we are created to be relational beings. We're meant to be with each other. Oh, I wasn't going to say this, but I'm going to say it. It's interesting that when God created everything on the earth, including all the animals, everything, and he created man after that, and then he said, it's, he looked at he looked at Adam and he saw all the animals and everything else that was around him. And then he said, it's not good for man to be alone. Was he alone? But he had all these animals. But, it, but that wasn't relational. He said, it's not good for the man to be alone. And then, of course, he made woman. And there was relationship. It's just amazing. We were created to be relational. And look how Jesus confirms this, how he affirms this relationship in that priestly prayer in John chapter 17 that was read to us. Listen to these words. Father, he said, I want those that you have given me to be with me where I am. Let's just listen to the language of relationship in this. And to see my glory, the glory that you have have given me. Because you sorry, I'll read that again. The glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. Hear this. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you, and they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them, and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me. May be in them, and that I myself may be in them. Yeah, you need to read that again. You, you'll need to go and study that. The relational that just the relations that just oozes out of this passage that Jesus is speaking about between His Father and Himself, and He's and He's talking about between us, His people, and Him. And I want to ask you: Can you see this? Can you see that love is the is the key? Truly healthy relates. It really is. And just from these verses, we, we, took, we see here God's love for his son. We see his love for us. We see his love in us. It's just amazing. It's so awesome. And all this we enjoy when we, in response, love the Lord Jesus Christ. And we come to him. And we give up our lives to him, we surrender to him, we turn from sin, we turn our lives over to him. And then with that same love from God, we love what God loves. He puts his love in us, and we begin to love with the love of God, not the human that's here one day, gone the next, that's up and down, that's fickle. God's love is consistent, it's powerful and it's in us and therefore we love with that love that he loves us with we love what he loves and on the other hand we hate what he hates and I believe that out of such a relationship with Christ will flow and so ought to flow the God-inspired motivation for example to love and be interested in other people which is in that workbook to love and be interested in other people because God is God will shift the focus from self centeredness to other centeredness. That's what He does. That's what His love does. That's how it transforms it. We're talking about transformed relationships. God will shift the focus from a self centered life to others centeredness. I just made the word up. I hope it fits. 1 Timothy 2 3 and 4 says this This is good and pleases God our Saviour who wants all people, not just me, he wants all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. And that's our desire as believers. We want others to know about this Jesus who transforms our lives as we ourselves have been transformed. And of course, one verse that we know that just seems to sum it all up, John 3, 16, God so loved the... The world. It's a global love that he has. This is annoying. Um, Just about done, mate. Thanks. God so loved the world that he gave. There it is. Love gives, doesn't take. That he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. What a difference this transformed modem will make to our relationships and our friendships. What a difference it makes when we invite Christ to be the centre of of that relationship. It all starts with him. It all finishes with him. That's why he's the Alpha and the Omega. That's the last beginning and the end. It all begins with Jesus. It's all about him. What a difference he makes and and only he's the one that can transform our relationships. The next thing is, when Christ invades our life and we allow him to fill us and transform us, it'll also turn us into good listeners. That's another another point that Rick Warren talks about. We'll become a good listener. Good listeners. You see, interested in what the other person is saying. Really interested in them. Not about me. It's about listening to this other person that God loves and cares about. Being a good listener. James 1.19, good passage, says this. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. And of course, you've heard the saying, haven't you? God gave us two ears, one mouth. Why did he do that? He wants us to listen probably twice as much as we speak. We need to listen. If you want to transform and build healthy relationships, then learn to be not a good fixer-upper, but a good listener. Sometimes people don't really want you to fix things up, they just want you to listen, listen. People love to be listened to, it helps them feel valued and accepted and it's also good to ask questions about that person in their lives. Ask them questions, show genuine interest in that person And sometimes you ask them questions, complete stranger. Happened to me one day, I was in a a shop, bike shop actually, and uh, this guy walked up and he had a parrot, a parrot in his hand. It was a very expensive parrot, I can't remember what he called it, but it was about so big. And I started talking about this parrot. I don't know this guy. And I asked him questions, and he turned to me, and his face lit up, and he started to tell me everything about this parrot, how much he loved the parrot, all this sort of stuff, and I just kind of sat back and I listened to him. And he engaged with me and spoke to me, and then he gave me a big smile. he went and said, "Thanks, mate see you later." And all I did was listen. I didn't even say much at all to him, but I showed genuine interest in this guy. That's what happens. One of the quotes from Mick Warren, he says, "This questions are to friendships what food is to the body." Asking questions about how you're going, what's going on in your life, tell me more about this. But be authentic. Don't just prattle. People see through that. Be authentic with them. Proverbs 20 verse 5 says, "This counsel in the heart of a man, woman, is like deep water." But a man of understanding will draw it out. God will give you that enabling by his spirit to draw out those questions, to draw out that information. If he puts you in front of somebody, he's got something for you to do there. Anyway, time calls, calls this to a close. And I, I, just want to, um, I just want to be able to say this um, as I close. Another question, actually. What do you think is the greatest fear of making friends and developing relationships. What do you think? What do you think is one of the biggest barriers, if not the biggest barrier, in us wanting to make friendships, forming relationships? It's the fear of rejection. Yeah, it's the fear of rejection. Research suggests it's the fear of rejection. And the research also says it's a universal fear. It's it's a fear that we all have. We all have this fear, what if I'm, God, if I go up and talk to that person and I think I'm a twit or a jerk or something and, and, you know, and no, I can't do that. And we have this voice going on in our head with all the negative reasons to why we ought not to go and step out and take a chance to try and connect with that person. So someone has to make the first move. If we're all fearful of being rejected, someone's got to make the first move, correct? Yeah. And again, tonight, if you're a believer in Christ, then, then I want to encourage you with this. And that is as you reach out in the name of Christ, being led by his spirit, I'm talking about, as you seek to reach out and encourage and build healthy relationships, to reach out and build these friendships, to connect with people. As you seek to do that, and perhaps as you face that fear of rejection, I want to say this, in many ways, Christ has already made that first move. Do you get that? In, any, in many ways, he's already made that first move. He's already gone ahead of you. That's one aspect of it. But what I'll say is he's also made the first move in the fact that, that he made the first move in your life. And you're the result of him making that first move. You're his because he made that first move. You weren't rejected. He didn't reject you. And he never will reject you. So I guess what I'm saying is it's from that place of absolute security and that reassurance that I'm not rejected. I can never be rejected by the one that it really matters. With him, it all matters. Jesus, I'm never going to be rejected from him. And when you have that absolute confidence, that absolute assurance in your life that you'll never be rejected by him, then you can afford to take that risk and step out, even if it means rejection. You can take the risk because you know, that you'll never be rejected. And by the way, Christ was rejected so that you and I will never be rejected. He's done it all. He's, taken the, he's made the first move. We don't need to fear about being rejected. Let me close. Transformation in relational health from start to finish is all about your relationship with Christ. I love what Proverbs 18.24 says. It says this, A man or a person, a person of many companions may come to ruin. Just because you've got a whole heap of friends doesn't mean that you you won't come to ruin, right? So a person of many companions may come to ruin. But there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. There is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. And I want to suggest tonight that that friend who sticks closer than a brother, that true friend is the Lord Jesus Christ. He's that friend who sticks closer than a brother. And I want to ask you to nod as I close. Is he your friend tonight? Do you know him? Because you see, transformed relationships all begin with Jesus. It's all about him. Let's pray.